0: Hi, I'm ice and welcome to Let's Chat Cash, a podcast about women and their money. Each episode is a frank and open discussion with one woman about her personal relationship with money. My hope is that by having these conversations, we can break down some of the stigma of talking about money and empower each other as women to take more control over our finances. This episode is a chat with Alexandra Shepard. Alex is a social media manager and young adult fiction author. We chatted about how she got headhunted by Google without having had a degree, making money as an author, and feelings of guilt surrounding spending, even when you've got the money in the bank. I started off by asking her how she currently earns her money. I have two jobs at the moment. So my first job,
1: the job I've had for the longest time, is I'm a freelance social media manager, and my clients are mainly advertising agencies. Um, And my second job, and the job I love the most and hope to make my main job is that I'm an author, children's author, and my debut novel is coming out in January
0: 2019. Ooh, so exciting. What's the name of the debut novel?
1: Oh My Gods, and it's published by Scholastic.
0: Very exciting. What's it about?
1: It's about Greek gods and identity and contemporary London and romance and friends. I'm not very well prepared to talk about the book. I still find it difficult to describe my own book, which is, I need to get over that. But, um, yeah. I hope people like it
0: Well I can't wait to read it You've just given me a sampler So I'll be reading that later So two different jobs there Mm -hmm. Let's start maybe with the first one That you talked about Which was social media and strategy stuff So how did you get into that?
1: I've been working in social media Since I dropped out of uni when I was 19 And at that time there was this new thing called Twitter that lots of businesses were working out how to use. And in my internship, which I was at a small website called studentbeans.com, I was their intern. They kind of let me have free reign over digital stuff. And I set up and established their Twitter account. And then with my future jobs, it just became a bigger part of my role until I realised that I was a social media manager. and Which was great because I love social media. Um, Twitter has always been a big part of my life for the last 10 years. It's how I've met friends, found flat shares, found jobs, found boyfriends. (laughs) Like Twitter is a big part of my day-to-day, so to be able to work on it is really, really exciting.
0: So you actually didn't go to uni, did you? Yeah,
1: so I dropped out in um, the first year of my English degree at Nottingham Uni because I wanted to move back to London. I miss London too much. And then I ended up getting a job, and so I deferred my place at Queen Mary's University and ended up getting rid of it all together and I felt like if I had a job that I enjoyed that was paying a grad salary it didn't make sense to go to uni for three it felt quite indulgent to go to uni for three years even though I was really passionate about English literature I was thinking practically I didn't want to pull myself out of a career field that seemed to be going well for me at the time hmm, yeah definitely is
0: it anything that do you ever look back and think well do you feel like you made the right decision not going to uni now
1: I think I made the right decision, but it's not without its regrets. Like, a couple of my friends are doing creative writing MAs at the moment, and that looks super fun. Mm. I don't have any debt, any student debt at all. That's amazing. I'm uh, so jealous. (laughs)
0: So it's worked out quite well, I think. Definitely, definitely worked out well. And so after you did the stuff, I guess it, like student beans and stuff, how, where did you lead on to? Like, what other kind of places did you work with? Social. Yeah.
1: So um, for a couple of years, I was interning other online startups. One they no longer exist at the moment. One was called WebJam, which was like a, a website that let you make your own make your own online community. And the second one was called quite which was um, like the European answer to Yelp. And then. I left that job because I was headhunted for a role at Google for some of the product they had called Google Places. And I worked at Google for about two years. Huh. And then I left Google to go freelance and work in advertising. And I've been in advertising ever since.
0: Wow, amazing. So we worked all over the place. So that's social. That's how you kind of got into that field. But what about writing? How did you get into that?
1: Yeah, so writing has always been something I've always loved from when I was... Like four or five, I was writing my own stories, and I always wanted to be a journalist. But I kind of put that idea to bed when I left uni, and I had a few internships over the summer um, at Time Out, Shortlist, and the now defunct um, oh god, what's it called? Women's magazine. They used to do they used to do the um, they were most famous for their sex positions illustrated by Barbie Oh, Kendall's like more more That's it. <laughs> more magazine um and then i just it felt like it was fun but it felt like i didn't really it didn't have the same excitement as working in social media and startups had it felt a bit old-fashioned and backwards and and it's no wonder i felt that way because most of my tasks were like shredding papers and collecting coffee so of course i'm not going to feel excited about it and then you might just get the Tiniest little writing job where you're doing the questions for the agony aunt or something like that
0: and what you mean those aren't real
1: I was actually quite surprised don't yeah. laugh <laughs> and it just felt like this is not what I want to go back to you need to go back into when mm. I can just work in startups which seemed so much more exciting mm. and interesting and open to change and it didn't help a lot of the journalists themselves were saying they're like this is an industry in decline mm. don't consider this as a career unless wow. you really love it
0: yeah so that so you sort of put writing to one side but then what made yeah. you kind of pick up novel writing
1: um so i put the idea of writing as a career to one side mm. but I, I always wrote and i started my novel about 10 years ago so i've always been writing in the background mm. i just for a number, number of reasons never thought i would be published it was like a dream mm. one hand um but then in the last five years or so i started taking it more seriously
0: mm. So you've got these two kind of jobs, two ways, I guess, of making money. So which of the two makes you more money?
1: Oh, hands down, the advertising, social media management. You're probably not gonna be surprised to hear this. It isn't actually a great deal of money in publishing. What? <laughs> I'm sad. Yeah, me too. <laughs> But um, it feels like the money I get from writing fiction is almost like a bonus because I think I would have done it anyway Mm. and I think maybe I'm saying this because this is my first novel but Mm. you feel this immense gratitude that someone would even want to pay you to do something that you love so much Mm. and I know it's a business and I shouldn't think of it like that and that's why I have an agent who Mm. will fight for my behalf I'm definitely not in this for the money I would like it to be my full time job Mm. but I'm also um, pragmatic about the fact that many authors have many different things going on many different income streams
0: so tell us a little bit more about the process of actually you started writing but what's the process of like getting a book published like how does that even work
1: so for me i had to get an agent first Mm -hmm. most writers i think do i found my agent through twitter
0: amazing twitter everything's coming together so they're kind of like linked (laughs) these two parts and once i signed
1: um to an agency called pontas agency based in Barcelona. Um, they worked with me to get my book in a better shape. And hmm. um, that took about the best part of a year. Wow. And then this time last year, I went on submission, which means that they send the manuscript to their uh, publisher contacts and try to get them to read the synopsis and the first three chapters. That was a surprisingly agonizing process in that once it goes out, you are just refreshing your inbox daily. Oh my God. <laughs> waiting to hear back and you don't have the distraction of writing a book right. writing's done. So you've been working, working, working for years on this project mm-hmm. and then it's out there in the world and you're just waiting for someone to love your little baby. Yeah,
0: so. that's pretty tough. That's worse than waiting to find out if you've got a job, I guess, because you've been... It's
1: similar, mm. though, yeah, similar to that sort of just waiting, waiting, waiting. Except that when you apply for a job, you typically get one rejection, whereas I think I got dozens.
0: Oh, wow, really? Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's fine. I remember, I think... I separated it mentally from me and mm. like, this is my book not me they're right. rejecting they're rejecting my words on page wow. and that made it much easier mm. and it's it's also subjective when editors say that they're rejecting your book it it could be that they say oh we'd love to have a look at it if you change x y and z and that mm. could be the same x y and z that a different publisher loves about it but oh, they don't like that. everything else so there's so much there's so much conflicting feedback yeah. in the rejections that it's hard to take it all on board because it's just someone's opinion. Yeah. Um but eventually I found a publisher in Scholastic and I met my editors there and loved them wow. and it's actually been a really good fit. Mm. So once I signed with them, Scholastic worked with me again to make the book better. They had their own edits which really improved the book and I've been doing that up until July. Wow. And now the book is going to print next month i think
0: so exciting so it'll be out in january january so excited and i can't wait to read it so so once you've gone through that whole process and you found your publisher do they give you like some money to write
1: it oh yeah I've got the money part so (laughs) um once i accepted scholastic's offer we signed a contract they gave me an advance but um in the publishing world this is new to me you don't get the advance all in one go you get the advance in three chunks oh. At least that's how I work with my publishers so you get the advance in one third when you sign in one third when you deliver the finished manuscript and the final third when you are published Whoa. so I've only had two thirds of my advance
0: wow and then is that all the money or do you get money like if it sells if it becomes like the next Harry Potter do you get like a bit royalties, more money yeah <laughs> so
1: you get royalties I think twice a year but you need to earn out your advance first. So the advance is sort of like an interest-free loan. Oh, is that, that what it is? Yeah.
0: I thought they were just paying you that money. No. no.
1: It's traditionally, an advance is so that you would have enough money to live on while you wrote the book.
0: And is it enough money to live on?
1: No, <laughs> absolutely not. It's, it's like, um, well, maybe if you were very frugal, but I'm not. <laughs> I think another writer friend I had described it as enough for a very nice holiday or two. <laughs> wow and like some money savings put away, wow. um, but not enough to live on solely. And I think there are very few authors who live solely on their advance money. Wow. They have school visits, they have freelance writing as well. Um, or maybe they're writing consultants for scripts or screenplays, or even copywriting.
0: Hmm. Hmm. That's so interesting. I didn't really have a sense of that. There's a lot of different stuff you have to do even after you yeah. get that deal to still make ends meet, basically. So going back, I guess, to your social kind of media work. Now that you're you've been more focused on your book, you kind of are you still working full time or are you freelancing? Like, how do you balance all of that?
1: Yeah, so I'm freelancing part time at the moment which um, I really, really like. It's given me so much more time to edit and focus on other writing projects, Um, especially as my current job isn't in an office, I'm working from home, so it's much more flexible. But the great thing about freelancing is you can pick up these short-term contracts and if, you know, come January I realise that I need to boost my savings a bit, I can just go full-time for a couple of months. Um, I'm lucky enough there's enough work in my field where I live that I can be quite picky and flex and choose um, jobs that work for me. Hmm.
0: So you're living in London and you don't live at home, right? Do you yeah. rent? So and you're like freelancing and stuff like how do you manage your money do you set like yourself a tight budget like how do you kind of keep on top of all the incomings and outgoings yeah
1: so um I quit my full-time job in May I had the summer off to finish off my book and just go on a few holidays it was great yeah sounds great (laughs) (laughs) and then I started work back again in September so I had about four months off and
0: how do you plan that like had you saved up money to do that yeah I'd
1: saved up money to do that so um, I had enough money to live on comfortably for four months, or I knew I'd have to go back to work again. I didn't mm-hmm. want my savings to drop beneath a certain amount because mm-hmm. I have rent to pay and yeah. stuff like that. I didn't live at home, so it's not like I can ask my parents if I can not contribute to the house for the month. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't pay my rent, my housemate can't pay her mortgage. So yeah. that can't happen.
0: Yeah. How do you decide what that figure is gonna be? Like, this is what it's gonna full blow. Do you decide it's like a certain amount of months of rent or like what do you, how do you set that figure of, I need my savings to be X?
1: I based it on how many months I wanted to have off versus how much I spend per month. And I was quite Mm. pragmatic. Mm. Um, I used my salary as a starting figure and then deducted the money I'd usually put in my savings account. Mm. I said that was what I live on monthly so that I knew I had a lot of holidays I didn't want to go in those holidays and not go out and stay in the Airbnb all that time I Mm -hmm. wanted to actually have fun and do stuff and not change my lifestyle too much and which isn't true actually I haven't made some changes to my lifestyle I've hardly bought any new clothes this year Mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest change for me I had to think about what was important to me and what was important to me was not having to say no to social stuff That's because nice. I hate having to say no to social stuff because I don't have the money mm-hmm. I feel like I just get the biggest FOMO, like I'm missing out um and also my fairly expensive spin classes I love
0: them so much <laughs> I <laughs> saw this on your Instagram or whatever the other <laughs> yeah. day about soul size is it soul size it's cycle?
1: called cycle p-s-y my C-E-L-E. other friend does
0: that it looks literally like my worst nightmare it's but...
1: amazing I love it <laughs>
0: they're very expensive though
1: they're cheap if you buy in bulk
0: okay that's how they get you yeah. I've been doing that's how they make um, you commit
1: <laughs> yeah exactly but I love it so much um and I knew that if I had to downgrade that to like a, a local gym which would be like 15 pounds a month or whatever it is like really mm. 40 pounds a mm-hmm. month mm-hmm. go to spin classes I've tried those spin classes I yeah. know I don't stick to it so I figured it's for my health yeah so
0: I That's like what it.
1: my luxury treat. Yeah, I but like I haven't, it. I've done hardly any shopping this year, which is fine. I don't miss it.
0: That's how you've decided what your priorities are, yeah. then, and how you kind of worked it out. No fenty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's overrated, to be honest. Do you, did you use, like, any budgeting tools or anything?
1: When I wanted to build up my savings, so at the start of this year, mm. I find it's really easier to keep motivated if I put everything I spend in a spreadsheet for the month. Okay. And just the act of having to write it down... Mm. Makes me more conscious about what I spend because I don't have to update that spreadsheet. Wow! And conversely, I've another spreadsheet for my savings accounts and being able to plan what I'm going to put in them over the next three months and sticking to it and seeing my savings grow is really motivating. Because the way I saw it, the more my savings grew, the more time I would have off from work.
0: Oh wow, that's really interesting. So wait, you wrote down every single thing that you spent in a savings account? Yeah, and, like, sorry, so in a spreadsheet. On and off,
1: I wasn't. I never really kept up for any more than a couple of months at a
0: time. Um, but when you were doing it, you'd do, like, what? Like, if you bought a coffee, you'd write it down?
1: Yeah. Wow. It's That's... quite satisfying. I do yeah. it on a, da- on a daily basis, and I'd round it up to the nearest pound.
0: Wow. That's very impressive. Hmm. Good tip. Um, okay, so let's go way, way back mm-hmm. now to when you were a kid. Like, what was your parents' attitude towards money when you were growing up?
1: Money was never really talked about. I knew that there wasn't much of it, but... I would never have known because my parents didn't talk about money. My mum and dad had very different attitudes to money. My dad is a lot more like, if he has it, he'll spend it. We only really had three or four holidays when I was kids, but they were like a month long in Jamaica. So, wow. holidays. Like, he didn't really do things by halves, no. my dad. <laughs> and then when my parents divorced and my mum moved us back to Derby with her parents, as a single mum, as a student for much of that time, money was definitely tight but it wasn't really talked about, I think. And I've talked about this with my mum since then, why she never talked about money with us. And she said that it stressed her out so much and she didn't want to transfer her stress to us. Mm. But that's not an attitude that's typical with the rest of my mum's family. Like my grandparents came over from Jamaica as teenagers. They kind of worked really hard. They got a mortgage, bought the house, stuff like that. And now the homeowners are homeowners and... And they were always, they've always been quite open about money. Like, my granddad has always asked me whenever I start a new job how much I earn. Or, like, not how Mm. much I earn, but you'd always say, what's the money like? Mm. Are you comfortable? Are you okay? Yeah. In a way that my mum or dad wouldn't really talk about. They'd dance around the subject. Mm. So um, I feel like my mum's side of the family had a much more practical, honest response to money, and my dad's side of the family, in that very typically English way, they Mm. thought it was quite bad taste to talk about money. Mm.
0: And how do you think that sort of impacted how you feel about money now?
1: Well, I had to do a lot of the learning myself, which I didn't really see as a bad thing, because I feel like there are so many more resources now than there were when my like the internet, Yeah. (laughs) but when I was a teenager and got, you know, that first student loan, you are kind of forced to learn very quickly. I learned what overdraft was, and I could have these conversations. I remember asking my mum when I was 18 what an overdraft was, and she sat down and explained it to me. But in terms of budgeting, the only way I knew how to handle money was to spend as little bit as possible. Right. Because that's the household that I grew up in. Mm. My mum's kind of like terrified of debt, and that's passed on to me. I was terrified of debt, Mm. of having debt. I had to force myself to get a credit card about five years ago because I knew I needed to build up my credit rating and I got, like, the lowest credit limit possible and then slowly edged my way up because the idea of being in debt just really scares me and my mum's never really had that debt. So I've always thought that credit... I never had, like, a, a relaxed attitude to credit. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely I can relate to that. I don't... I'm the same. My yeah. mum was very much, like, a saver and was very, like, very you save up for something and then buy it, you don't, like, borrow to yeah. buy something. and, and so... I didn't realise that so
1: many people, so many friends and my age who were in similar positions, you know, they may have been, like, their parents didn't have, like, the highest-paid jobs, but they could they were going on holiday, and we never went on holiday. Or they had, like, video games that we never ever had video games. And I realise now it's probably because of credit.
0: Mm yeah completely it's really interesting um so now do you consider yourself like a spender or a saver
1: i think more saver than spender but i know i can i I know i'm not as much of a saver as i could be i'm not i always feel like sometimes i feel guilty about spending stuff spending money and Mm. i'm really trying to shake that yeah that's a hangover from growing up poor just Feeling guilty about doing something like my spin glasses, for example, <laughs> I felt really guilty about that for a long time, and I would never tell my mum's family what I pay on rent because they just wouldn't understand. Mm. They think they think that all London rent is bonkers, which kind of is, but but it's not
0: quite... your. It's like you're in this situation. <laughs> it's not like you set it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. They just don't understand why I don't move back to Derby and where I could probably afford a flat or a house or something. Yeah, completely. But I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. My life is in London
0: exactly yeah I can totally relate to that like I've got this thing of in my head I sometimes like I, I would really like a really nice handbag yeah. <laughs> but then I also would hate to ever take that handbag like well there's also part of it in my head of like I don't know that I can actually ever really justify spending a load of money on a handbag because it's just a fucking handbag like that's stupid so there's that but then there's also like but oh but what if I really did like and like a lot more money that I could buy it if I did own it I feel like I wouldn't want to take that handbag to, like, parts of my family who don't have loads of money because it's almost like, how could I... Why do I deserve to have this? And Mm -hmm. they don't have that. So I definitely relate to that feeling of guilt around spending money, even when you've, like, you know, earned it or whatever. It's, like, I think that is part of growing up with not having a lot. It's feeling guilty if you do have some.
1: Yeah, especially as, like, I don't don't work anywhere near as hard as... generations of my family before me have worked Mm. I have a cushy office job they were you know nurses and social workers and had very demanding physically demanding emotionally demanding jobs and I just sit in an office typing and get paid much better than they could ever imagine for it Mm. so yeah there is definitely some guilt tied up there I don't feel like I don't know, it's two minds, isn't it? Because I will always push when I'm freelancing to get paid what I'm owed. Yeah. But at the same time, I also acknowledge that it's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not really. You work hard, you know, and it's yeah. all... Yeah. But I know what you mean. So on that note, what what's the best money you think you've ever spent?
1: Ooh, um, that's a really good question. Um, probably the money, and it wasn't much money, I must add, I spent on my creative writing course, the Ooh. first one I ever did because that gave me the confidence to finish my novel. Amazing. Um, and that was... Oh, my God, it was so cheap. I think it was, like, £60 for 10 lessons or something. What? Yeah. That's it? it? I don't think I paid any more than... Maybe... Oh, God, I'm going to get it wrong. It's called the Write Like a Girl, Girls Belt, RRL course. Oh. And they do them in London and Bristol and, I think, Manchester. And carry the course... Manager there, it's just amazing, and they were designed to be affordable and accessible for everyone.
0: That's incredible.
1: Um, and yeah, and I think doing that course, it's introduced me to a group of women writers who I still meet up with every month three years later. Wow. Yeah, so that was the best money I think I've ever spent.
0: That's amazing. That's a good answer. Um, do you think you've had any money mistakes?
1: Yes. I got an overdraft when I was 18 my overdraft got into overdraft <laughs> like I went over that over, limit yeah. and it just kept on taking away interest and I just <sighs> got scared and ignored it for about six or six months Cheers. so it ended up being 180 pounds which like now is not that much money yeah, but when I was 18 that really really scared me
0: so what happened how did you fix it
1: I told my mum, she shouted at me <laughs> and then told me to go to the bank and speak to an advisor and I did and they just paused it until I could oh, Yeah. Who good. knows? You can speak to people at the bank yeah. sometimes to help you out. Hey. I had no
0: idea. <laughs> that's a good not a good tip. Um do you save for your old age?
1: Oh no, and this actually really stresses me out. Pensions stress me out so much. The thought that I'm not saving enough into them, and then the thought of Okay, well, if I save more into them, I can't afford to save for anything else. Mm. It feels like it's impossible. Mm. Especially now that I'm freelance, so I don't get the the employee the employer contributions yeah. of my pension anymore. And and actually when I last went freelance, I tried to be proactive about this mm. and see if I could set up a private pension or whatever it's called. Yeah. And you've got to see like a mortgage, uh, you've got to see an advisor, a financial advisor to do it for you, and mm. it just felt so Muddling, And of course, you can just easily think that it's not going to happen for 50 (laughs)
0: years. You're not going to get old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will, but not for so long. Then you hear that, you know, the more you save now, the compound interest will grow and you'll have more money to play with when you're older. I don't know.
0: Mm you know you, you can do this is, but you don't have to do anything but um I was in a similar position so I had pensions when I was in salaried jobs and then I left mm. um so I had all these like different pension pots set up at different places and when I wanted to then be able to pay into one privately I just paid into one that was already set up one that I had one that my previous company had already set up because I had an account with them already I just called them up even though I'd left that job the the pension is set up by a separate company so that was by like standard life or whatever it's called so i called them up with my number and was like can i just carry on paying into you
1: oh I you could do that yeah you can do that okay i'll definitely do that <laughs> that's one thing with my mind then
0: okay so tell me how tell me how it goes I will do. <laughs> okay lastly do you have any money goals
1: well my biggest money goal was saving up so i could have some time off and now it's about replenishing those savings I guess I should think about a house deposit or a flat deposit of some sort but in London it feels so out of reach that I almost feel like what's the point Mm. um but I know that's not the right attitude to have so I think my next goal is just about getting my savings back up to Mm. having a cushion just in case anything happens with work and I need to take a month off or something
0: Mm. and this isn't really related to money but I just thought it'd be interesting what would your advice be to anyone who wants to write their own book
1: oh um write it I sit down and write it if you're struggling to sit down and write it then find people who also struggle to sit down and write and motivate each other I think having a, a group of writers who don't always stick to what we're trying to do but are motivated to write and egg each other on and read each other's work and generally provide words of encouragement has been hugely amazing and I wouldn't have written my book without them without my
0: Cheerleaders, so get your cheerleaders, I think. Alex's debut novel, Oh My Gods, is released in January and is available for pre order right now. I'll pop the link in the show notes along with her Twitter handle, but you can also find them up on our website, which is letschatcash.com next week i'll be talking to chloe bridge chloe is a photographer and writer who felt unexpectedly pregnant at age 24. this forced her to completely replan her life and career i chatted to her about earning money as a micro influencer financially planning for the future when you have three kids and the emotional reality of being in debt i felt guilty that i couldn't moan that i was sad because we had no money <laughs> so you just put up with it and get on with it it's just you know it's that british thing of like i'm not going to say anything i'm not going to actually tell people how i actually feel that's all on next week's episode of let's chat cash subscribe so you don't miss it and if you're feeling extra generous i'd love it if you gave this a review as it really helps other people to find us cheers and i'll see you next time